Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to a much needed and long overdue episode of the Lilypad Podcast. This is uh, another solo Saturday segment where it is just me, just kind of talking with you about things that are going on in life. It's been a lot. <laughs> I think the last time you heard from me was in February, so several months have gone by. And uh, since then, our family has taken a, a much-needed spring break vacation. We went down to Florida to visit my nieces um, and spend some time with them. And then we spent a day at uh, Magic Kingdom, uh, and it was incredible. Those of you who know me know that I'm a big kid when I'm in Disney. I'm just, I have a blast. Um, I allow myself to just just enjoy the the uh, the time there and the experience of being there, the adventure of all of it. And several of our our, our foster kids, as well as our adopted son Joshua. I'd never been to Florida before, and I've certainly never been to Disney before. Um, they'd also never been to the ocean before. And so, on the way there, on the way down there, we stopped uh, near a beach. Um, you know, shoot, it was March, so we didn't, <laughs> we didn't really do much. We didn't get, it was also pouring down the rain. That was an incredible experience for all of us. Um, you know, it started pouring down the rain. So we're sitting here down next to this really nice beach. Um, it starts raining, and uh, just the the hiss of the of the rain pouring on the ocean at the same time as the tide coming in and out. Uh, it was very cathartic for me to hear my kids laughing and getting soaked uh, from the rain. I mean, we were only really wading in the ocean. There was no plan for us to swim. No one else was there. I mean, as you could expect, it was a downpour of rain. And if anyone was around, they're probably looking at us going, yeah, yeah, they're definitely from out of town. <laughs> but we splashed around in the in the tide a little bit and grabbed some seashells. And, uh, you know, the kids stomped around in the sand, the now wet sand, just got soaked from the rain, probably for about 20 or 30 minutes. And then we went back to our car and headed down to where we were actually going which was outside of Orlando. Um, so we spent a day visiting with my nieces. They live in a gated community that also has uh, a water park, uh, a small water park, one water slide, a lazy river, and a couple of pools. And absolutely had so much fun with the kids. I, you know, it was just great to see, uh, especially our youngest foster son, who's three, you know, just experiencing something he's never experienced before and laughing and having fun and splashing in the water and floating on inner tubes in a lazy river. I mean, he really took to my niece's grandmother, um, you know, who is an amazing woman. It's one of the strongest women I've ever met. I, I don't want to give you all the history of this family because I don't want to put somebody else's business uh, public if they don't want it to be, but they've been through a lot. And... She is working very hard to support a family. And I, for one, am really proud of her and inspired by her. Um, but 
you know, to spend time with them and to see our littlest guy just really take to her and call her mama, even though she's not his, <laughs> his mama. <laughs> um, which she was totally okay with that. Um, and we had fun. We were able to relax even though we were there with five kids, plus my nieces, plus, you know, their cousins and, and sibling. And, and it was just, it was fun. It was relaxing all at once. And even Disney wasn't overwhelming. Uh, you know, we, <laughs> we did a character meet and greet with Jack Sparrow. And, you know, he teased my foster son because my foster son uh, wanted his hair dyed blue, you know, a month or so before we went on the trip. Of course, it was still blue, and Jack just thought that was that was strange. He wanted to know how it turned blue. <laughs> so we spent most of the meet and greet just teasing my foster son about his blue hair, um, and that was it was Disney. You know, I know some people have their opinions, but I don't. I love the park. I really love the park. All of them, even though we only went to Magic Kingdom. I'm I'm a fan of all of it. I know that so much of it is a money grab and the tickets can be ridiculously expensive and food can be expensive but here's what it here's what it makes me think about when i was a kid i really liked magicians i didn't really want to be a magician i'm not saying i wanted to learn magic but like a lot of young boys i was fascinated by magicians but you know the whole magicians never reveal their secret, you know, never teach their trick or whatever. That would upset me because I would want to know. I would want to know how did he do that. And it's not that I didn't want to believe in magic, you know, because there are things that I still believe are magical. And I don't want the answer to those things. But something like an illusion or a trick, knowing how it works and what, you know, how the magician did the trick. When I got a little older as a kid, it didn't ruin an illusion for me so much as make it possible for me to respect to respect the magician in a whole different way. Like, I really, really, it, it impressed me so much that I was even more fascinated by magicians and what they do. I was even more just blown away by it because I would then know that this guy worked hard to make this happen. This guy worked really hard to get this this trick to work and to look the way it is and to, you know, to create the illusion for me and for everyone else watching that this was real. And I just think that's fascinating. And so, if you've ever been to Disney, you know that so much of what Disney does is an illusion. It, They want you to believe that you are in this world. They want you to allow yourself to become immersed in this world, in the story, uh, You know, depending on where it is you are. They really want you to be... So they want you to believe the illusion. They want you to, to, to be in the story. And, and of course, most of the audience for that is the kids. You know, the kids aren't trying to figure out, wait a minute, how did that, how does that work? How is that, is that a real man? Is that, I mean, some, my kids ask some questions 
you know, older kids, of course. But for me, knowing, knowing the work that has gone into the engineering, or I guess <laughs> what's Disney's term, the Imagineering, uh, that has gone into creating this story, immersing, um, you know, guests in the story through the visuals, through the through the audio, through uh, you know the smells. It's a full sensory experience, depending on where you are, you know, whatever part of the park you are in. It's a full sensory experience, and it's just it's incredible. I mean, a, a lot. One of the reasons Disney is so expensive is because a lot of work and money goes into creating what they've created there and what they continue to create there. And yes, I have my issues with the continued efforts to partner all of it with all of the movies. <laughs> not, not every Disney movie needs to be like turned into a ride or a section of the park or a, you know, it just, it doesn't need to happen for all of them. Um, nor should it. However, I still appreciate the work that qualified people and often highly qualified people, which is one of the re another one of the reasons why so much money goes into these parks because of the researchers that are hired, you know, to guarantee things like authenticity and guarantee things like safety. You know, it's not just about creating a cool illusion. It's also about making sure guests are having fun, they're entertained, they're immersed, and they're safe. I get it. I understand now why that's so expensive. And so, you know, ticket prices go up. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons. It's not the only reason. It's one of the reasons. But anyway, I don't want to go off too much off topic. My kids... Oh my goodness. Other than one instance where the three-year-old was so far past a nap that he was having a meltdown, <laughs> um, they had so much fun. I mean, they were laughing. They were loving the rides. We rode everything that we wanted to ride. You know, my wife and I didn't argue, which is great. If you've ever taken a family vacation and you and your spouse don't argue or fight, that's a great vacation. And I am blessed, first of all, that I married someone who, you know, like me, wants, wants everyone to enjoy the trip. I, I you know, and I, I just, it was a, it was a great family vacation. So that was the first thing I wanted to share with you. The next thing I wanted to share with you is, I don't know that I've been on here since the adoption, but we have adopted a son. His name is Joshua. And I am just absolutely just thrilled with this kid and with the young man that he is. I mean, he's nine years old and loves to hike with me, loves to camp with me, loves to fish. It's, it's fantastic. And, you know, we're also fostering two more boys now. And I, as I said, which I think you knew that, but man, to be the adopted father of a son is just my girls are amazing and I love them and I am blessed with them and I do not at any time want to 
downplay that. But to be the adopted father of a son is just something completely different. It's it's incredible and I and I it's a blessing. And I'm in love with this kid. He's great. He's fun to be around. He's hilarious. You know, he's a boy, so yeah, he has his issues. You know, he's nine, so he struggles to listen when you tell him not to do something or to stop doing something or ask him to do something. But other than the normal nine-year-old boy problems, considering what he's been through, he's a phenomenal kid. And so we have that plus it's almost the end of the school year. I'm still teaching at St. Albans High School. I still love it there. I have no plans to go anywhere else with the exception of, yes, I'm still pursuing administrative positions. So I will be looking for assistant principal or principal positions. Um, That is still my goal. I I didn't work hard for that master's degree just to sit around and teach for the next 30 years, Um, which I wouldn't do anyway because I'm, you know, this is year 20, so I don't have 30 years left before I can retire. Uh, Maybe not anyway. But (laughs) my point is, um, there are also some changes happening at the school. Uh, And currently I'm in an upstairs classroom that has no windows. It's kind of like one of those little corner classrooms. Um, And the way it is in the building, there are no hallway windows, like reaching out from the room to the hallway, except for the window on the door. And there are no exterior windows because I'm in a part of the building where, uh, you know, the other part, it, you know, of my wall reaches out and just look overlooks what they constructed as an upper part of the library. Um, so it's really just wall. There's nothing on the other side. Um, so, but now I'm next year, I'm going to be downstairs in a room that is, it has windows. It, uh, looks out at the front courtyard of the school. Um, my classroom's right next to an exit. So, you know, at the end of the day, when it's time to go home, if I really want to get out of the building, right there's the exit. No problem. Uh, and I'm also teaching all 10th grade English, um, which is so much simpler. You know, when you only have to plan for one grade level, um, that's what I'll be doing. I'm excited. I'm ready uh, just for the, for the next chapter. Uh, I learned some things. I'm excited for the next chapter. I really am. You know, I I learned some things. This is my first time um, in the the regular public school setting in six years because I taught the collaborative program on campus at the university for six years. Um, You know, it's a non-traditional, considering an alternative program. Uh, So being back in the traditional classroom, back, back in the traditional school setting, I definitely, it's been since before COVID. Like, you know, COVID has transformed the educational system. Uh, Some ways for the better, but most ways the challenges are mounting. And so I learned a lot about myself and how I'm going to adjust to this new environment, um, which in some ways resembles the traditional school setting that I remember, but in other ways has been altered. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to say this carefully. This is not any kind of judgment against, you know, 
school leaders or the education system. Um, it's simply what has happened. The traditional school system, education system, has not caught up with all of the changes that have happened in our society since COVID. It, it has not. And I don't mean that in any kind of health way. I just mean what has happened to this generation of young people currently in the schools that were enrolled in a school during COVID, our school system has not caught up with it. Um, the behavioral issues, the social issues, the societal issues that have grown or have, have grown out of COVID or out of the impacts of COVID, our schools have still not caught up to that yet. Um, and so teaching this year, I was able to observe that. I was able to figure out how I, as an educator, can make some changes in my classroom that I've not, implement some things I've not had to implement before so that I personally in my classroom can adjust to those changes uh, to the best of my ability. And if I take a job as an assistant principal and then maybe eventually up the road as a principal, what can I do to help bring those changes or bring the what needs to be done to catch up to those changes into effect for other teachers, for other schools. I mean, that's that's what someone needs to do. I'm not saying it has to be me. Hopefully it happens before. Like, <laughs> I really hope that when the next year or so, our school leaders go, all right, this is a major problem. Um, and there's something else that I, I don't want to address it in this episode because I'm already, you know, taking up about 18 minutes of your time. Um, but maybe in another episode I'll talk about it, and that is the impact that addiction is having on, on this generation of young people. Um, and again, drug addiction is not a new thing, but I've been teaching for 20 years, and I'm telling you right now, in the past three or four years, I have just, my attention has been called to something that is, it's got me worried. Okay, and I don't mean to sound like that old man that's like, this generation of kids is the worst generation ever. That's not what I'm saying. I'm simply saying that this generation and the up-and-coming generation is dealing with issues that I don't think we're prepared for. I don't. I'm just going to be honest. So maybe I'll get into more specifics later, but uh, that's just what's been going on. So... I appreciate y'all listening. I appreciate those of you who've stuck with me long enough who, you know, have got it on there to, to catch my updates anytime I have them. And I'm glad you're listening and I'm glad you're a faithful listener. And hopefully I can be on here more often. I know you've heard me say that like a hundred times, but I've got an re episode recorded with an interview that I did with a gentleman that I'm excited to roll out uh, once I get that edited and we'll have it out soon. And maybe even some new episodes coming up. So appreciate you all. Love you. Have a great one.